Hi, this is Dusty. Before we start today's show, let me tell you about a little promotion that we're doing. So, we loved our level 1 through 5 Pathfinder Beginner Box mini campaign so much that we decided to purchase a beginner box and give it away. All you have to do is check us out on Twitter at RPGLLPodcast and look for our status with, with the beginner box. You can't miss it. It's the three of us holding up the beginner box. And please share that status out for a chance to, to win the beginner box. If you win, we will direct message you and get your details and send it out to you. But yeah, chance to win a beginner box and it, and it gets the word out about RPG lessons learned. Please take part if you believe in the show and want to share it. It's a way we're trying to promote the show and also give away the beginner box. Hey, if you already have a beginner box, if you say, hey, that came out years ago and, and I've had one for quite some time, thank you. Think about people in your life that you can get into gaming. You know, win it and pass it on. So just because you have one is no reason not to enter. So please share that status to enter and uh, help us get the word out about this show that we love doing. Back to our regularly scheduled show. RPG Lessons Learned. When the game is over, when your players are gone, that's when lessons are learned. We are at RPG LL Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, RPGLLPodcast at gmail.com, and check us out online at RPGLessonsLearned.com. Welcome to RPG Lessons Learned, where we talk about our past sessions so that you can learn from our mistakes, but that's not what we're doing this week. We're doing something a little bit different. But first of all, hello, Brian. Hey, Dusty. How's it going? I can't complain. Mike? Good. How are you, Dusty? So with me are Brian and Mike. And this week, we are talking about a specific um, business methodology, Brian, I suppose we'd call it. It's not really a process methodology. It's it's not really. Uh, it's easy to confuse it with one, but uh, it's it's a problem-solving technique. It's certainly a business improvement yeah. methodology. Uh, we're talking about... The Theory of Constraints. So Eli Goldratt in, in the 80s put out several books and then into the 90s, um, really good books about this this whole idea of the theory of constraints. And we're going to talk about that today. And this is kind of an open-ended, open-ended conversation, Brian. I'm not 100% sure where we're going to go. This is going to be – so Brian ha- has right now his job is business process improvement or business process management. Yeah. Improvement um, more this today than it was a couple years ago. It was management before. Yep. And then Mike and I have both worked heavily in project management throughout the years. Yep. That's not what either of us is doing today, but it's it, we have done it in, in years past. So this is kind of a discovery conversation to see what we think about applying some thought processes like this to, to tabletop role-playing games. So let's first of all talk about the goal, because I, I want to limit ourselves Amongst the entire theory of constraints, let's, let's limit ourselves to the goal. I think the goal is, is achievable and readable, and people who are interested in it. It's very accessible. It's extremely accessible. I, I looked, and it's like 15 bucks on Amazon right now for a physical copy. Uh, it's a really, if you've never heard of it, if you've never read it, it's a great book. Um, no affiliation, no, no, no money share. The, the, the Gold Rat Foundation has no idea that we're doing this, that we're talking about this. And there's also a graphic novel version of it that you have. Yeah, there is. And it's good too. I, I think I prefer the novel. Uh, I I did the audiobook. Cool. And uh, I don't. It's it's one of the audiobooks that is uh, that has like a, an ensemble cast, 
doing it as opposed Ooh. to a narrator. And I usually hate those, but I actually liked this one. Oh, I know what I'm sending my next Audible credit on. I really like the goal. The goal is like the security blanket book for me. Whenever whenever life gets tough at work and I'm drowning and there's too much for me to do, I reread the goal and it helps me focus. Um, the goal is a novel. It's not a textbook. It's written as a novel. And I think the goal was one of the first, if not the first, business books written as a novel that, that popularized that idea of, hey, let's, let's, let's impart these lessons through fiction. And reading the goal, Brian, is kind of funny. Uh, you made the analogy that it's like reading Moneyball in terms of you're reading about this time in industry where business process improvement really hadn't made it big in America yet. And just doing a little bit of that, just doing a little bit of business process improvement and a little bit of that methodology and a little bit of that change thinking could have huge results to your bottom line. Yeah, like Moneyball, it, basically it's about uh, somebody that came across a new concept, a new innovation. The sabermetrics. Like sabermetrics and Moneyball, uh, where it really gave a competitive edge. And at this point, everybody does it. Yeah, everyone does it now. Everybody does sabermetrics. Yeah. Everybody does lean or some sort of pro- uh, yeah, process everyone methodology. Everyone does some process improvement. So, so this competitive edge, like, like knowing goal will no longer make you uh, uh, revolutionary. It, it's, it's now just it's the ante. You need to know some business process improvement stuff. But still, reading the goal is fun because you're reading about this era where knowing so the goal. It's so weird. It is, doing what I do, it's just so odd that they don't even consider this stuff. And it's it's all re- new and revolutionary to them. But you know what's an industry that where no one's ever applied this business process improvement stuff? RPGs. Yeah, I think so. And as we have our discussion today, we are not talking about the production of an RPG. Because I am positive that Wizards has... Process controls and measurements and throughput defined and all that. I'm positive of that. We're talking about the actual tabletop session, playing the game, not producing the game, not creating and writing and editing the game, actually playing the game. That's what we're applying the goal to today. So, Brian, in the book, The Goal, what is the goal? It's to make money. Yeah. So what is the goal at the table? When we sit down to play, what is the goal? I've, th- I've been thinking about this for a long time. And this is the open-ended part, by the way. Those, those, those at home, we have not prepared no. the discussion. So this is us asking the question, what is the goal at the table? I've been thinking about this, and I think it's just to have fun. I, uh, I can't see it being anything else. I would agree. So how do you quantify that? Because I thought the same thing. Like that, that, That's obviously a very quick thought that you have. How do you quantify that? Laughs per minute. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll tell you what. Let's talk about measures and the measures of the goal, right? So the theory of constraints, there are three primary measurements that, that you're concerned with, and it's, it's throughput, um, operational expense, and inventory. Throughput. So throughput in a factory is pretty easy to figure yeah. out. It's the product out the door. Not the product that you put in storage, mm-hmm. the product that you ship to a customer. So that's your throughput. What is the throughput of an RPG session? Is it, is it is it just number of sessions like like a like sessions that we played? Is that throughput? It could be, but I would I would zoom in a little closer and I would think of it in terms of at, at a session level. Um, and honestly, I think throughput would be fun delivered. Like almost, I there's something a concept called flow. It's like when you're into something. And you're 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 working, and it just comes easily, and you're doing hard, complex stuff. It's but, mindless. Yeah, but you have well, but you, you have you, a master. You, 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 you enter this flow state. But you have a mastery of it. Yes. And we have 
we have RP sessions sometimes like that where we are just in a groove and we are having fun and because we could sit around and watch a movie and laugh about it. We right. could sit around and tell just crass jokes, which we do sometimes and laugh about it. But the RPing, the the gaming part is important. I think the I think the throughput could be the number of rounds that we have or the number of um like some games we may some games we may um so are you saying a game where we have more rounds is is better than a game where we have but fewer the, but rounds? But the rate at which we get through a round. Let, let me let me let me throw this in there because I think what you're trying to get is what I'm thinking of too. So right, like overall percent of engagement. So it's it, it's not necessarily measured in in number of rounds or or the time it takes to get through a game. I, I think it's how much each player is invested and engaged in moving the game forward. That that would be my take. So that's that's the goal, or that's throughput. I think throughput is the engagement. So I, I think I think to have that throughput to keep it moving, you have to have engagement from each of your players, and I think that engagement ultimately contributes to the goal of having fun. So if if all your players are engaged, that increases your chances of having fun overall. How would a church measure throughput? Is it is it attendance? Money in the offering plate. You think? Probably. Donations? Yeah. So donations and attendance or just donations or just attendance? I think I think I think donations you can use to infer attendance. Uh, but, but attendance doesn't necessarily lead directly to donations, right? So you have a bunch of people who will go to a church who, who don't donate. Um I think that maybe also kind of goes back to that engagement because you can go to church and you can be passive. You can go to church and be active. And those who are going to be active are going to be the ones who are more likely to make a donation because they're engaged. They're they're invested in the success of the church. Like the players need to be invested in the success of a game. So where did this idea of church come from? I was just trying to figure out like something that's not a factory where it's really based on attendance and engagement to, to Mike's point. Um, it's, it, what we do is, is on a much smaller scale, but it's similar to church. We're showing up to share ideas and to talk and to have a discussion. And, and that feels like what church is or should be. So if it's an, if it's a form of entertainment where church isn't necessarily a form of entertainment, you could say it is, I guess. I mean, some people really Very evangelical. Yeah. Some people really love going to church <laughs> and that's, that's their social life. But if it's a form of entertainment, what about like something like television or a sitcom or a movie? I mean, but those are they, those those goals are to make money. Yeah, but but gaming like church is participatory. Right. But I think of a church, its goal is to make money, because its goal is to stay open. Yeah, in, in a real way, it has to be. But yeah. our but the goal of our game is not to make money. Exactly. Right. The goal of our game is is to is to well. It, so why does a church need to make money? Why does a business need to make money? Keep the doors open to be self propagating. Yeah. So what does our game need to do to be self-propagating? I'm going back to the goal. I don't really feel like we've landed on the goal yet because to have fun, to make money, okay, great, I can count money. So this To is, have fun, I can't count So fun. this is exactly like in the goal, though, because they had to argue as to what the goal actually was. Yeah. So that's the challenging part is to know what the goal is. So if the goal isn't to have fun, what is the goal? I don't know. That's that, that's that's this discussion that we're having. What else could it be? I mean, is it... Is it just to to continue to play the game? Is it just to draw enough satisfaction to play the game? Is it a social activity? Is it is it just for us to get together and hang out as friends? Are yeah? Are there are there social? Is there a social economy at play? Hmm. And what would that look like? What would the currency of the of the social economy be? Time. Let, let's talk about the next measure. Actually, so let's talk about 
Well, we're gonna we're, let's let's keep circling. We'll come back to the goal again. Operational expense is the next measure of of, of the theory of constraints. I think for that it's time. I think for, for that the expense is time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we all agree to that. Yeah. yeah that was an easy one. I mean, I think there. I mean, there's actual expense when it comes to like books and stuff like that but it's small but I, yeah i, I don't know my wife that. Would, my wife would not argue that's a small expense <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> for us there's a small investment well and, and, and you asked the question right can you play a tabletop game for cheaper for free absolutely, absolutely. Yes. yes can you play a tabletop game without devoting some pretty significant time to it yes sort no sort that's where i would say no that, i would yeah i would say no well it it depends on the type of game you're playing, right? So, I mean, either way you go, there's going to be a time investment there. It's either going to be a time investment on the DM's part, or it's going to be a time investment on the player's part, or a time investment on both part. But you can't play D&D or any tabletop role-playing game without investing time. Right, right. There a three-hour session takes three hours. Session. There is some investment of time, yeah. I, okay. I was thinking more towards prep and and all that. that. That time investment can vary. All right, so for the operational expense, we agree that it's time. What are you trying to get for your time? Enjoyment. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I figure out how to measure that though. All right. Um, and then the last the last measure, so so it's it's throughput, which we still haven't landed. I, I got it. Ooh. So so it's enjoyment though, but you have to also measure that against like I can get enjoyment doing anything. So what how am I getting more enjoyment out of this than I could get out of something else, like going home and watching a movie? Yeah, what's different about this? What's different about it? How do, how can I measure that? And again, it, I mean, it all comes down to some sort of economic uh, concept. And I just, I'm having a hard time putting my finger on what it is. But I know that there is some measure to it because I am opting to do this as opposed to going home and recording a podcast or going to watch a movie with my wife. Yeah. Or staying at work and working longer. I would rather play D and D with you guys than go see a movie. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Even though a couple times I have went the other way. <laughs> <laughs> Those are special releases. Like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. So, yeah. but why can't we put into words what makes it a better investment for us? And a better, it, we're, we know that we're investing the time. We, we landed on that very quickly. So, is it what are we getting for our investment? What's the return? Is it different for us than it would be for other people? So, for other people, the RP, RPG itself may be, what if somebody plays with strangers? People play with strangers. Yep. I play with my friends. And for me, it's an exercise in enjoying time with my friends. Yep. Where I read, like, in... Oh gosh, was it in of my of Dyson Men where the author was talking about how they found a game on Craigslist and they were playing with you know strangers basically I, I think if I remember correctly. Um, I mean it it comes down to something social. It is social related. It is it's about interacting with other people. It's a community based exercise. What what if there's what if there's something selfish in there too, right? What if. What if some of your escapism? enjoyment is the chance to have escapism, your chance for uh, acting in front of a crowd, your 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 opportunity to get attention from people you normally otherwise wouldn't get? Like, how is this different than Toastmasters? Right. You know what I think we're doing, actually? What's that? I think I think we're getting confused because when I think about the goal, the goal is is that that book, Brian, is completely mute on why customers buy widgets. Yes. So it, literally the book is about widgets. They don't even talk about what they make. It's a yeah, widget. It's it's a widget. But the book is all about the people who produce the widgets. Yes. So I think we're getting lost in the weeds here on what players get out of it. And I don't think the goal would care. The goal would say, look, there is a demand for tabletop role playing games. 
players want DMs. That demand exists. So the players' goals are not irrelevant. But for this discussion, applying the theory of constraints to a tabletop session, the 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 the, the, the reason behind the demand is irrelevant. So I think we need to be looking at it, looking at this purely from a DM's point of view. Who is the person producing the widgets at, at the table? It's the DM. Yeah. So maybe the DM's goal is. So, so if a business's goal is to propagate itself, and a church's goal is to propagate itself, maybe the DM's goal is to build enough enthusiasm this session to make it to another session. Yeah, yeah. And it could be measured in, and hey, my players don't drop out, and the game continues. So really, the measure is participation. Continued participation, where in oh, but the throughput on that is you can't measure that in, a, in an individual session. You'd have to measure that across a campaign. Right? True, and I think I'm okay with that. But but do we agree that it makes much more sense to talk about this from a DM's point of view? Hmm. In, in because the, again, yes. in the goal, the demand for the widgets, the reason behind the demand is not relevant to the production of the widgets. And I want to talk about the production of the sessions, which is the DM. Let's let's go with that for now and see what conclusion we reach. And then if that conclusion makes sense, then then yes. All right. So we've talked about throughput. We've talked about operational expense. What about inventory? What is... So inventory in, in, in the goal refers to any inventory that they have to pay money to store. Mm-hmm. To carrying costs. Yeah, the, the carrying costs. So what is the inventory... For the DM of, of, a, of a tabletop session. So maybe in that sense, maybe the maybe engagement is the inventory then. Maybe it's the, the keeping the players engaged. See, I was thinking of the rules as the inventory. The, the mechanics? The continuity of Ooh, of the Oh, I like session. that. Like, so there are mechanics in a framework, I think, could be the inventory because we have to carry with us at any given time the actual mechanics of the game. And those vary... Yeah. Like so, if like one factory may make Pathfinder, one factory may make uh, Savage Worlds, one factory may make D and D five e, and each of those factories have their own different carrying costs that they have to have to uh, pay. Um, so maybe maybe it, maybe it's just the framework of the game is the carrying costs. And usually, the real life dollar based expenses are tied to the system. Like like Pathfinder pawns, yeah, dice themselves, the special dice that you need to play the special systems from special companies that like to do special dice. Um, the all of those real dollar expenses, all those real sorry, all those real inventory things that you collect are based on the system. So you go out and get inventory to store in your house because of the system that you're playing. I think that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Right. So we are aligned that operational expense is time. Inventory is is mechanics. What is throughput still? Is it just the time spent in the session? I think it is. I think it. So, so the throughput. I could say I'm a successful DM because I convince eight people across two different games. I trick eight people. I trick eight people. I convince eight. I, I create demand for my games. Amongst so, eight customers. So what's better throughput? Is it a long game or a short game? Or is it the right length for the for the game? Is there a way to define what the optimal length for something okay, let's, is? Let's define the term game, right? So a campaign is a series of sessions. A session is, is a single sit down to play. A game, as far as I'm concerned, Brian, we've been playing a game since 2009. 
Okay. Yeah. So is you you could look at it in terms then of a, a campaign or a session. Uh, no, I, th- I think we can look at it as a game. I, as a GM, have successfully convinced you guys I've created demand for whatever tabletop role-playing game. Whatever inventory system I'm having the stock, I've I've convinced us to, to spend the time, the uh, the operating expense, on these games. So so your continued participation is is my goal. Wouldn't wouldn't the throughput then just be the experience of the game? So kind of like uh like any other service where it's 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 not like an installation or anything, but like like a massage or almost like performance art. It would be experience. What about the frequency at which we're at? Oh, massage is a really good example. What is that masseur or masseuse's goal? Not to use gender terms to to get customers to come back to get you to come back to get you to come back. Yeah. So it's it's to it's to give you an experience. So the goal isn't isn't the positive positive experience. The goal is that you come back and the yeah. and the frequency, like a chiropractor, the frequency at which you come back. Right. So if you come back every week, that means that your throughput is better. Well, I think accusing medical professionals of creating a demand for their services <laughs> might be an interesting line of thought. But 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 I, I like the line of thinking, and I think this is this is where we're going. Right. If if the goal is to get people to come back. Then is the experience that throughput is is the experience the throughput that determines the frequency at which they're willing to come back. Yeah. Okay. So so we're aligned. The goal is to get people to come back or to get participation. Throughput is is frequency and and duration of participation. I think so. And then our constraints are. So no, we haven't got the constraints yet. You're getting ahead. Let's let's let's. But, I, but with 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 these defined, I'm seeing constraints everywhere. Yes. So now we have a goal, and now we have measures. And, I, and my initial idea is I, I didn't know what the constraint would be. And I think there's a bunch of constraints at, pl- at play here. So let's, let's talk about what a constraint is for those at home. Hopefully you followed us through the goal and the three measures of the goal. To recap real quick, the goal is what you're trying to accomplish. So for us, it's, it's, it's for DMs, it's the players come back. The three measures of the goal are throughput, operational expense, and inventory. So throughput is, is, is number and duration of sessions. The expense is time that the DM has to invest in, in creating the game and learning system, whatever. And the inventory is the system or systems that DM has to know to be able to run those games. All right. Aligned there, let's talk constraints. In pure theory of constraint terminology, a constraint is any place throughout the throughput of trying to get a game done where demand exceeds capacity. So that that is a constraint. Um, they're also referred to in the in the goal as bottlenecks. Yeah, and I think bottlenecks probably a more intuitive term. Yeah. So we will use this phrase as bottleneck and constraint <laughs> interchangeably, but they are the same thing. So what is the constraint? So Brian, you said you had some ideas. I don't want to step on you. What's the constraint? So man, like I have ideas for constraints, but they may not align nice nicely along our um, what we've defined as our terms. But one constraint is like real life, like. We have other competing priorities that scheduling we have conflicts. Yeah, that scheduling conflicts, uh, family, um, work-related activities. Um, other constraints are just the amount. But of, those are player constraints. Okay, for the DM that you those, the are, DM, those are constraints on demand, the, which which we don't care about in in this conversation. What what are the DM's constraints? Okay, so how about different systems rattling around in the head and uh, basically causing confusion as to what a specific rule set is? So you're saying that you're saying that you're you're, well, so we know inventory being high yeah. is bad. Yeah. We know carrying costs are bad. Mm-hmm. Are you saying carrying costs can get so bad they become a bottleneck? 
Potentially. So I guess. But you would never express the bottleneck that way. You would say, we have a bottleneck where the people retrieving stuff from the warehouse, mm-hmm. the demand exceeds capacity. Yeah. So it's not the carrying cost. It, it, it's it's the, the ability to it's the ability to to retrieve, retrieve the rule. From, yeah. To retrieve the rule quickly. Yeah. But and we have that because the factory is cluttered and it's easy. You have to step over stuff to get to what you need. Yeah. So intuitively, that makes a lot of sense. Because yeah. if, if you're playing with a GM who doesn't know the rules, or it's not that they don't know the rules, it's they have so many rule sets. Well, regardless of the reason, the demand for a ruling exceeds the GM's capacity to deliver that ruling in a timely way. So they have to go to the book, they have to go to whatever, and the session stops. Let's talk about, you know what? The session stops. Let's talk about, Brian, what we know and what we haven't communicated yet about how you can recognize a constraint. So, Mike, you haven't heard the term constraint before, right? So this is new, this is new to you. So let's talk about laundry. If you're doing laundry, and for me in college, my dryer took 70 minutes. Right. My washer took 24 minutes. Yeah. So which is worst, for my washer to sit idle or for my dryer to sit idle? For your dryer to sit idle. That's right. It takes the more time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So anytime the dryer is sitting idle, that pushes out the end time of my laundry. Every minute the dryer is idle is another minute it takes me to do laundry. Yep. Because the dryer is the constraint. If the washer sits idle, that's fine because it the washer should always be waiting on the dryer and creating a buffer for the dryer of, of clothes ready to be dried. But the minute that dryer buzzes, I need to drop everything and take care of the dryer so that I don't push you know, my, my end time of finishing laundry out. Yep. Okay. That's how you recognize a constraint. So, Brian, anything that stops the game stops forward progress while the GM looks something up. Every minute the GM spends in the player's handbook adds a minute to the end of the session. You agree with that? I absolutely agree with that. All right. So then you're right. The, the having to retrieve the rules and the rulings, either from memory or from a book, is a constraint. Mm-hmm. Good one. What are some other constraints at the table? Well, in that same line, I know we were trying to focus on the GM, but wouldn't player preparedness also become a constraint for the GM? Because if the player is not prepared, then that again stops play at like, the table. Are the players the customers or the players the people that provide the raw materials? I think they're the customers. I mean, you could argue both. But t- so, Mike, what I would say is that a good GM should say, you know what? You, you're not going to lose. I'm not going to punish you. You don't lose your turn. But I'm going to go ahead and let Chris go while you think. Yeah. Or I'll make a decision now, and then we can look it up later. Yeah, so the, so the, if the GM can't uh, solve deferring. that problem. Deferring. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But the point is, that player, in my previous example, where the dryer takes 70 minutes and the washer takes 24, a player is a washer. Yeah. Like, you can sit idle and figure out what you want to do. Oh, uh, yes. It's a piece of machinery. Yeah. The player is a piece oh, of machinery. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the GM's the bottleneck. Yeah. Anything that's anything that stops a player, that's fine. Well, while it's not their turn, the player can build up a buffer for the GM. Anything that 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 wastes the GM's time, whether it's GM caused or player caused, that's your bottleneck. Because you cannot, you as a player, cannot take your turn without the GM paying attention to do monster damage, to do whatever, to do this, to do that. The GM has to be listening to you take your turn. Yep. That's why players can't take turns simultaneously. That's a great point. Yeah. 
Hmm. So, Brian, is the only bottleneck in the session the GM's attention? Constraint, I mean? Man, I'm trying to think. So, I want to kind of, in a, almost in a way, metagame this, because metagaming is what we do. I'm trying to think back to some of the, the house rules that we've come up with. Can we come up with some of the things that we've tried to create in the past to maybe identify other constraints? Like, one thing you started doing is on the whiteboard writing down like the AC in the hit points for... Yes, and I do that for a couple of reasons. One of them is to be consistent so that mm-hmm. you guys feel like the game is fair. So part of that is kind of the soft goal of wanting, making you want to come back because you know I'm not cheating. But you're right, Brian. Another part of it is I'm sick and tired of you guys saying, does the 21 hit? Does an 18 hit? Yes. Does a 17 hit? Yeah. Does a 16 hit? Like, damn it, look at the whiteboard. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I put it on the board. A big reason I do that is to stop some of that conversation that that robs me of, of attention and time that could be devoted to story or to something interesting or to some interesting strategy. Instead, I'm answering yes or no questions. So what about this? So you have a house rule that you did in 4E where you, like, half hit points and double damage. Yep. And what we're talking about, that almost seems to be secondary to the goal. It just doesn't seem to add to the goal whatsoever. In that that sort of that sort of house well, rule. So the, remember, the goal is to get you to come back. Is to right. get players mm-hmm. to come back. That that was a direct response it, to it, our our complaints. It, the customer complaints about it, combat. It, it doesn't affect, it doesn't affect throughput, but it does affect satisfaction. Customer it, satisfaction. It does affect throughput in terms of. If we can finish a combat faster, we can get more story in. Right. So we can get this session done in two hours rather than four and a half. I can rob you, not rob you. It's it's not a bottleneck. Is I guess ultimately is well, I think it was. So so let me make this point. If you think of a series of combats as being things that are really what's happening on your character sheets, your resources are being worn down. Mm-hmm. In fourth edition, you were literally spending hit points and 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 healing surges to make it through these combats you are spending potions you're spending your spells it's all resource management you're spending your encounter and your daily powers you're spending your hit points you're spending your healing surges to make it through the story well if i double the damage and half the hit points i can rob you of the same amount of resources i can take off the same hit points i can make you spend the same heal spells and healing potions i can make you use the same daily and encounter powers so you're using all the same resources, but we get through combat faster and we get more story done. But to your point, Brian, at no point have we had the goal be more story. The goal is that you come back. So there's some there's some piece of it that we're missing, which is that we get through the resource management stuff and we get to the story. Maybe the story is what makes you come back. There has to be some sort of customer satisfaction component because also the goal of you come back, the goal of a restaurant well, is... You, to, you, you wouldn't come back if you didn't have the customer satisfaction. Yeah, but yeah, the goal of a restaurant is to make money, but you make money by people coming back. I don't want to force myself into thinking in terms of these house rules as an indicator of a lack of performance or a lack of or a breakdown in in our uh, I think it is though I think the I think the double I think some off, so, uh, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around that one so I'll, here, here, you know what how about this I as a GM in 4e to, to a lesser extent in 5e but definitely in 4e I would invest tons of time before the session yep to make sure that my time during the session was more thoughtfully spent so 
I had monster stat blocks printed up and and in in decks of cards ready to be shuffled through initiative order. I, I had all this stuff pre-done to help keep me focused on moving the story forward. So, so again, the GM's attention and ability to, to do this soft adjudication of, of rules and story. Um, yeah, I think the GM's attention is the bottleneck. And I, I think that house rule was meant to address that bottleneck. Okay. Yeah. The, 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 the story at the table cannot move forward without the GM's attention. The story at the table can absolutely move forward without any individual player's attention. And it does sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the players only become a bottleneck when all four of them or all five of them stop paying attention. Yep. Or one individual player is bogging down the DM's attention and the DM doesn't take agency to move. The to game. solve that. Yeah. Yeah. But still, the, the fact that they're taking the GM's attention, every minute of that moves the end of the, uh, the, end of the session out a minute. Hmm. All right. Is there is there more to dig on here? Or are we kind of done? I'm I'm happy with what we've uncovered. This yeah. Is, this is interesting. It's going to spur more discussion. But I'm just trying to figure out what's in it for the GM, other than the social capital. Yeah, that's a that's a huge mystery even for me, right? <laughs> I GM and I don't I don't know why. I love it. I can tell you. I've said this on the show before. There are things in life that are creative, and there are things in life that are collaborative, and rarely the twain meet. Rarely are things both creative and collaborative. So this is one of those rare examples where I can be creative with a bunch of other people who are also being creative, and we've all created something together. But that takes someone to, to, to maestro to MC the session, and that is the DM. So the DM's attention has got to be the constraint. So really what we've learned here, Brian, it's what we already knew. We, we already knew this intuitively. Any GM prep, any GM work, any player homework, it's all meant to make things easier on the GM during the session. We all know that intuitively, just like people knew about the goal yeah. intuitively. It's it's like it's like any other kind of business process or any kind of business improvement. You kn- it's it's common sense. It's just clearing out all the muck that's surrounding it so that it's crystal clear what you're trying to do. And then you can remove everything around it that doesn't add toward that goal. Yeah. We have our best sessions when I, the GM, am free to be creative along with you guys. If I'm bogged down in AC and hit points, then combat becomes numbers. It does. Boring. You know? But if I, if I can elevate myself above that, then, I'm, then I'm, I'm free to come up with cool stuff. I think that maybe hits a little bit more on why sometimes we prefer theater of the mind to maps and minis. Because a lot of times with maps and minis, you spend a lot of time digging through finding a map, digging through finding the right mini. Whereas with theater of the mind, or like angling things, we just we just go. Yeah, we just go. There's no line of sight to worry about. There's no flanking to worry about. It it takes out not only some of the constraints of the mechanics, but then also some of the constraints of the DM's time. Yeah, I would agree with that. So. Remember, everyone listening at home, this conversation is only in context of the economy at the table, the economy, the, the, the spending of time at the table. If you if you zoom out from the table and you take into, into account the whole RPG landscape, then obviously the ability for players to get GMs is a constraint, but that's a different context, right? That's the context of like game matchmaking. So, so I, I'm really happy with what we've uncovered as far as at the table. Um, I'm going to think about this. I really am because I think that 
this shows that, I mean, everyone's on the right track. You got to make things easier for the GM, easier for the GM, easier for the GM. Um, but I'm going to think about that differently in our sessions from now on, because it's one thing to say it needs to be easy for me. It's another thing to say it hurts the session's throughput for me to spend any time not on cool creative stuff during play. Any time I spend crunching numbers is wasted time. Yeah. That's a revelation. Yep. And we can use that. Yes, we can. All right. I think that's RPG lessons learned this week. Uh, if you, hey, really interested in your comments on this show, this is a, this is a huge, what's what I'm looking for, Brian? Deviation, departure, departure, departure for us. Uh, but I want to do more of this. I want to talk lean. I want to talk Six Sigma. I want to talk Demaic. I want to talk about Brian's making a flinching face. Some of these won't perfectly align to something like tabletop, but I think even just having the discussion could help us uncover a few things. We we could get into a discussion on lean and say, actually, this really doesn't apply. I think you could probably squeeze all that into a top uh, conversation in Demaic because... Oh, so you're saying a separate episode on Lean and Six Sigma doesn't doesn't make sense? A separate episode on yeah, I think Demaic. I think you can Demaic just, would be good. Yeah, define, measure, analyze, improve, and control. Yeah, so let's do Demaic sometime soon. Okay, because I feel really comfortable with that. All right, thank you for listening. I uh, hope you enjoy the departure. Please, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, and, and Instagram at RPGLL Podcast. Let us know what you thought of this episode. Google Plus, we are RPG Lessons Learned, or sorry, RPG LL Podcast at gmail.com. And we're online at RPG Lessons Learned.com. Thank you for listening. People call them postmortems, evaluations, appraisals, reviews, retrospectives. We call them Lessons Learned, and we're sharing ours with you. <laughs>